Kyle Sondland and Herwig Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinion and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as specific inducements to make a particular investment or follow an investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Security Token Show, Episode 7. My name is Kyle Sondland, and I'm joined with my co-host, Herwig. Hello, everyone. This is Herwig Konings, and welcome to Episode 7, where we will be talking about the fact that security tokens have officially arrived. Uh, and that's exciting news where, you know, for all of us who have been watching this industry closely, there have been a lot of big historical markers that we're going to give a brief overview of later in the episode. But today, kicking things off, T0 announced non-accredited investor trading for their T0P tokens on the T0 platform, which is a major milestone because to date, there have been no non-accredited you know, security tokens available to the marketplace. For the first time, we're now seeing all U.S. investors allowed to participate in purchasing the equity in this exchange via a security token that leveraged the private securities fundraising exemption regulation D. So this is incredibly exciting because this is really what we're talking about in terms of, of public companies being able to leverage this token offering to take care of a lot of the, the same things that they're looking to, to accomplish through a public offering with, with much less scrutiny, much less legal fees, and it allows smaller businesses to actually be much more applicable in this space while not reducing any investor participation or creating any additional friction in this market as opposed to, to traditional markets. So very, very exciting. And we're definitely going to get into that a little bit later in the episode in terms of talking about how we got to this point and where we can look moving forward. But before we get into that, let's talk about some security token market news. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it and show uh, share with everyone what we're talking about this week. It's another good, good week, obviously, starting off with the T-Zero news. But on top of that, uh, T-Zero also was recently awarded a patent for uh, traditional trading systems to be anchored into the public blockchain. Uh, they're, they're actually calling it the time-ordered Merkle Epoch methodology or the Tome uh, methodology, which is a base layer technology that uses digital signatures to record and verify time series data such as trades, executions, and settlements. The technology enables low latency systems, including traditional matching engines or private blockchain ledgers, to be anchored into an immutable public blockchain ledger. Now, this obviously goes well within their own suite of services, but I think that their expectation is also to be licensing it out to other marketplaces and exchanges. No doubt that auditors would like uh, you know, this type of a trail to be available. Uh, and if they just got the patent on it, I think that's pretty powerful. Interesting news for those who are also investing in the T0 uh, token that just came out. Uh, a little patent boost there for you, Kyle. People, uh, people are excited, I think, you know, with, with the fact that the token is now trading. But good for T0 for really paving the way on all of these regulatory milestones. I mean, none of these things are easy. Building out patents and IP building out a, a successful brokerage firm. I mean, we're, they're really leading the way. They, they raised a ton of money and are, are doing a great job with, with, with working it through. Yeah, Dr. Patrick Byrne had a vision for, for the capital markets and security tokens a, a whole while back, as, as early as 2016, maybe sooner. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really coming into fruition, and it's exciting to see and bear witness. 
Um, alongside exchange data, uh, it looks like we also have a, an announcement from Fundamental Interactions, which announced a platform with sub-100 microsecond tick-to-trade latency. Ultimately, what they have here is they've announced a white-label platform that supports both cryptocurrency and security token exchanges. Uh, specifically focused on ATS, as they, they say in their article. The system will feature a variety of settlement capabilities to support different exchange models, including traditional settlements with regulatory reporting and central clearing, as well as a blockchain-based settlement solution. Digital assets can be represented as proxy tokens and traded through the platform, either on a private blockchain while they're stored on public blockchains or more, with, more likely with custody partners, which they have BitCo and Prime Trust. Uh, Involved, So it seems like uh, I actually think this is great news because the more white label technology that's out there, the more broker dealers that may already have an ATS license or those that can get approved will have the technology there. Uh, it seems like they have, you know, worked very hard to, to also get to that T0 type um, settlement. Uh, and ultimately, uh, I think it's always positive to see people building technology around the space. We'll see what kind of adoption they ultimately get. Uh, and we'll see, hopefully they aren't infringing on the, the recently awarded patent there with any of their technology. But ultimately, uh, I think it's a good sign for what's to come. Speaking along the, the news track and ending the exchange section here, uh, we saw a big announcement from yet another uh, island getting into the digital securities game. In this case, we're talking about Antigua, uh, which apparently partnered and signed into an MOU with Globex, uh, which really, uh, you know, they, what they're saying is that they're going to be collaborating to build a, a uh, you know, a, a digital securities exchange, specifically on the Ethereum blockchain I'm reading here, uh, with the goal of actually, according to the prime minister, focusing there, he says, we also believe this technology will pave the way to frictionless blockchain real estate investment services for a global investor base, uh, giving investors access to lucrative opportunities that our beautiful Twin Island state has to offer, referring also to Barbuda. Uh, which um, I guess is a, a sign that the, the government there wants to work with uh, technology partners to help usher it into the digital securities age with it looks like the benefit of hopefully being able to open up their real estate to more global investors, which only makes logical sense. We'll see what else they decide to do with this focus on digital securities. I'm sure that we'll probably uh, expect something to launch later next year. Uh, moving on to the SEC, recently there was a, a kickback. The pun there is that we're talking about kick uh, from <laughs> the fact that they are actually fighting a complaint by the SEC. Kick, for those of you who don't know it, raised over $100 million in an ICO, and the SEC has called them out for breaking securities law. Uh, but given the, the you know the backing of Kick, both from an institutional perspective as well as the you know the the war chest that they have amounted from their ICO, they're obviously fighting this. Um, and today and recently last week they came out with um, their response to the SEC, saying that they are demanding trial by jury uh, because they claim that the SEC has twisted the facts. Uh, in fact, the SEC claimed out in their, their letter to them that uh, there even an advisor had advised them that this was potentially a security. 
and kick saying that that's actually a, a, con, a quote out of context where, you know, if you end the quote of the advisor, he actually says, though he believes kick is, is within the right to be considered a utility token and not a security. Uh, the article by Crowdfund Insider reached out to Lewis Cohen, the securities attorney that was actually responsible on counsel for the pocket, the no action letter from pocket of quarters. This was a big deal because this helped validate and demonstrate what the Reg A plus framework, or uh, actually not Reg A plus, more just like how to do a regular uh, ICO without uh, triggering these securities laws. Um, so he's a very good source on this, but uh, you know it doesn't look very positive on his feedback here, Kyle. They, they're they're claiming he's saying that you know at the end of the day. He sees the logic in their argument, uh, but ultimately because of the SEC's willingness to work with clients like Pocket of Quarters, their recent Reg A plus efforts, recent no action letters that have gone out beforehand, you know, shows that they're active and involved and ultimately kick uh, should have done the same. They should have reached out to the SEC and said, hey, you know, how do we make sure we don't mess this up? So ultimately, therein lies the, the fault, uh, at least according to Lewis Cohen. We'll see what happens. Needless to say, it's going to be a dragged out battle, especially if it goes to jury. You know, I, I was reading somewhere that uh, in the same article that uh, another blockchain fund also came to, to back Kick. So this is not just about Kick itself, but this is about setting something for the industry, it looks like. And then that's why we're covering it in the show, because ultimately this could lead to some kind of distinction between tokenized securities as well as compliant ICOs and the framework to go ahead and do that through. I think that's a, a great rundown, a very awesome way of summarizing the situation. And from my perspective and from people that I've talked to, it certainly seems like you hit the nail on the head in the sense of they made excuses that you know are a good attempt and, and it may lead to a longer you know trial and then they aren't going to go down fighting, but it doesn't seem like they took the same precautions that others did. Um, and so... We'll see. We can only see how this plays out from here. They did. They did. You know their work in terms of providing a large, large hundred and seventeen or hundred page guide, however long it was. I also wanted to share a resource. Catherine Wu is a um, works in securities law and gave a full rundown of their entire response. So I retweeted that. She's gotten a lot of recognition for that. So if you want to read more into the the real nitty gritty of the response and and the perspective of a lawyer in terms of what these responses mean and, and how this could affect the future of the case, definitely check out my Twitter. I retweeted it, or you can go check out her at Catherine K. Wu um, and, uh, and read more about that. So very interesting to see how that goes. And again, I think that her, your, your standpoint is perfect in the sense of this could potentially provide more opportunities for regulators to define what is compliant and what isn't and how we can really get a clear understanding of security tokens in the, all of these asset classes and figure out how, how they can really be done compliantly and, and but still be accessible to retail investors, non-accredited investors, right? That was kind of Kick's intent was to get non-accredited participation. T0 did it successfully, it seems like here with their equity. So it'll be very interesting to see where the line is drawn. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Kyle. Uh, and sounds like you got a good resource there from Catherine. So for, again, for those of you who are interested, go check it out. Moving on to our other news, uh, it looks like recently some bad news for uh, Dharma, the uh, crypto lending startup uh, that raised over $7 million at a space out of San Francisco, recently on, announced on Twitter that they are pausing all loan deposits. 
in fact, according to the analytics firm LoanScan, Dharma has seen zero loans originated from its protocol since late July. Uh, definitely makes you want to wonder what's going on over there. Uh, maybe they're pivoting. Maybe it's a temporary pause. Maybe for an update. Maybe something else. Um, but uh, certainly some more explanation, I, I think, is, is needed because, you know, debt protocols like Dharma are trying to lead the way. Uh, it seems like maybe their focus on crypto lending ha has uh, gone awry. Uh, and we'll see what, what else we can learn as this story progresses, Kyle. We'll keep, it, we'll keep our listeners here updated. Yeah, it's a shame. Dharma is an exciting protocol, as you said. We're certainly very excited for debt origination on the blockchain. We certainly think that, that fixed income seems to be a fantastic use case for security tokens and you know, can provide a ton of clarity for collateralized loans and you know, mortgage-backed securities and things like this that we've seen become incredibly popular, certainly when we're talking about you know, 2006, 2008. Um, and a lot of those situations could have been avoided with much more clarity in terms of what the underlying assets were. So there's a lot of interest there. It's a shame to see that Dharma's you know, going through some growing pains right now. Hopefully that's all it is. They did raise $7 million, so they should have some ability to work their way out of this. But definitely, definitely would like to see some more clarity, and we certainly will keep you updated on, on the situation. Yeah. Um, and... Uh also, in other news, we see here that Walmart is considering a centralized stablecoin. At the very least, they've applied for a patent for system and method for digital currency via blockchain, with some reference to a very similar thinking to, to what's going on with Libra in the sense of being able to have a universal currency specifically for low-income um, individuals who, who could benefit from a streamlined currency provided by Walmart. Uh, but it's definitely much more scaled back than what Libra's thinking. There's certainly no kind of white paper. This is just some kind of inference to maybe what's going on and thinking behind Walmart. And, you know, what, what Libra's doing at the global stage, I'm sure, is incentivizing and making motivating other companies to consider doing something similar. Walmart might be in a very good position to do something like that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they actually take any action or, or try to do something similar to Libra or maybe watch what happens there and, and consider their options. Certainly seems like a lot of these large companies are sitting on the sidelines, waiting to let Facebook take all the fire, and then at some point maybe stepping in when the token actually goes live, which could be an advantage for Facebook as they get two years over their competition. But also, it, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of roadblocks that they will have to fight on their own, and uh, it's very expensive and, and can, be, can, can hurt, really hurt adoption. So... Very interesting to see, good for Walmart. I mean, you know, payment platforms need stable coins to be able to navigate through exchange fees to expedite their payment processes and, and to make their business run with much less friction. So I can totally see why they would consider this opportunity, but at the same time, we'll, we'll just have to see how the success of, of the other offerings like Libra, like JPM coin, and maybe if Goldman Sachs gets involved, there's a lot of players here. So. We'll see what happens. We'll see who, who, what cream rises to the top. For sure. And another little bit of interesting news, Kyle, I want to share this with you and our listeners. I think it's kind of funny, but uh, it's worth noticing. The Waz is backing a security token. Uh, Steve Wozniak, you know, famed for his Apple 
co-foundership, uh, actually is backing a company out of Malta called eForce that uh, looks like they're supposedly going to be doing a security token there at some point. So wow. that's pretty cool. Good on you, Waz. Uh, we'll see what, what happens there if they, they get to market. I know he spoke at the Crypto Invest Summit, uh, I believe it was last year. So uh, he's definitely been growing on blockchain. And who knows, maybe he'll start to see some uh, benefits of security tokens. Good for Malta. Huge win. Finally, Kyle, we had a great article come out recently on Brave New Coin, giving some great coverage and an overall overview of security token frameworks and security tokens in general, with quite a bit of uh, sourced content from Kyle here. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> how was that interview for you? It was good. It was fun. I was approached by Kieran, who reached out to me specifically asking about the state of security tokens and he specifically had noted that he wanted my opinions on the term that 2019 was the year of security token. And I, you know, it, the article kind of talks about how ICOs and the crypto really blew up in 2017 into the mainstream. 2018 was kind of a down year for everyone. And a lot of people were looking towards security tokens as 2019 evolved and that they would be the keystone of 2019, if you will. And he wanted my feedback on that, so I, I was happy to give him my perspective. I think that if you listen to the podcast, you certainly know that Herwig and I are, are so excited for the industry, and we can see how fast it's moving. But the reality is that, that especially with compliance and securities law, things do take a while, and we need to make sure that we're building the proper infrastructure prior to throwing all of our money into this, right? When we're talking about tens if not hundreds of trillions of dollars of assets, whether it's through equities, whether it's through fixed income, or any potentially illiquid markets that aren't traditionally counted in public asset evaluation, we really need to make sure that, that our systems to underlying those securities that are actually making this whole thing go round, we need to make sure that those things are flawless and, and that we can really around the world transfer these assets and, and really handle the volume that, that traditional markets experience. So, um, so while I said to him that, that I'm super excited and very bullish on the industry and very proud of all of the work that teams like ours as well as all of our partners and friends in the industry have built so far, it, it, it still may take a little while and we may see the end of 2019 or early 2020 being kind of where that adoption actually happens as opposed to early 2019, like what maybe some had hoped for. Um, but regardless, I appreciate him, him getting my feedback and, and he wrote a great article. Definitely go check it out. Um, I think that, that the one thing at the end is, is, uh, is important in terms of saying that, that you know, security token infrastructure in 2019 seems similar to the Continental Railroad in 67, 68. It's not ready for public widespread use at this point, but right now we're laying down the tracks and, and are, I think, very well prepared and poised to take advantage of this industry moving forward. So great article. Definitely go check that out on Brave New Coin. It is also on stlmarket.com news. That's where we source all of our information for this segment, as well as, as where all of our, our industry insiders like to pr provide their articles and, and can comment and, and we like to sort it out that way. So definitely go check out stlmarket.com slash news if you want to read more or stay up to date past just this podcast once a week. 
Thanks, Kyle. Well said, well said. Uh, indeed, it was a very good article and actually tops off my segment here on the news. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you on the latest security token offerings. Great. Yeah. So the, the first piece that I wanted to actually go into was, uh, was news on T0, the equity token. So we mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. We'll probably mention it a little bit near the end. But as we said, T0, the exchange that is fully regulated by the U.S., as Hurley mentioned, they raised over $130 million in a security token offering, and they're led by the CEO of Overstock.com, which is a public company um, on the U.S. stock market. His name is Dr. Patrick Byrne, and so he also leads the T0 operation and has really pivoted his entire e-commerce business to really focus on tokenization and you know digital assets over the last year or so. And, uh, and so this is a monumental day for them as T0, the equity in the exchange is actually fully live and trading on their exchange. At the time of recording, it's about 1.30 on Monday. Uh, so we've got about half a day's worth of trading volume at this point to report on. So in the first day of retail investor participation, we were looking at a price range of around $4 to $4.25. So that was, that was where it, it opened at $4.25 this morning and it's kind of held that range of $4 to $4.25 for maybe the past couple of weeks um, at the very least. And so just today when, uh, when, we, when we marked these down, the, the bid-ask spread was actually right there at about $5. So it increased uh, up 25% from, from where it was, its traditional range was. We'll have to see how it ends up closing in the second half of the day as, as some of the, um, you know, as more investors participate, whether to buy or to sell their, their, their equity that they own. And on top of that, the interesting thing is the volume reported is at $20,000 as of this afternoon. So $20,000 is definitely small when you're comparing that to traditional markets or even crypto markets, but it's actually, you know, the highest levels that they've seen really since February. So they've had a couple of huge days in between in terms of, of 20 or $30,000 of trading on a sporadic day throughout the last six months, but they really saw great volume in the month of February, averaging anywhere from 20 to $40,000 per day. So in the first half of today at $20,000, we can probably expect it to get up to maybe 30 um, or 35 by the end of, uh, end of the day, which would be tremendous for them. It would show great activity and, and real interest from investors. So great for them. Um, well, thanks for the overview, Kyle. Really great analysis. And hopefully, you know, I, I hope to see a lot of activity. I, I know that uh, many people are trying to sign up today. And, and ultimately, there is a couple of business days wait approval, it seems like. So over the next couple of days, I'm sure we'll see a slow increase of uh, approved uh, investors, whether they're not accredited or they are, uh, investing in the token and seeing those volumes go up. But regardless, I think it's still definitely uh, a start of something. Yeah, it's exciting. And they're also, they'll also really start to trade the Overstock preferred equity as well. The, the Overstock.com company announced that they will do a dividend for their company. I believe we've announced this already on the show, but just as a reminder, they're going to be doing a dividend of the traditional equity on the stock market, in which case it is a 10 to one dividend. So for every 10 shares that you own, you get one additional share, but instead of it being 
on the stock market, you can also choose to have that in the security token version. So you can either, you can opt into a security token for this overstock equity as well. So um, I believe that that will be distributed mid-November. So by, by the end of the year, they should have at least two tokenized equities, one of their, their holding company or their parent company overstock, and then one from the exchange itself, T0. So it'll be interesting to see how the price varies between the security token exchange versus the traditional stock exchange. If they're gonna be the same equity, it should be the same price, but with liquidity, it can be affected. So um, definitely look out for that and good for T0. We'll certainly keep you updated on the secondary pricing there as it evolves throughout time. But moving forward into two new security tokens that I was able to find this week. The first one is the Elite Mining Inc. STO. And so Elite Mining actually just announced that they are partnering with Entoro for their broker-dealer services, which is fantastic. Good for them. We, we know the Entoro team and know that they're working hard. And Elite Mining Inc. is a mining group. So they're actually a crypto mining company. Um, that uses proof of work mining to, you know, facilitate the blockchain. And they are actually based here in the US and their whole business is based around green energy and extremely low energy costs due to being located in Washington state. And so their low energy cost is what allows them to be competitive in this market along with, with their organizational structure um, they employ stockholders and, and pay through through that, I believe, from what I was able to find. So if you're interested in getting some additional investment in a mining company moving forward, definitely go check out Elite Mining, INC, or Inc. Second off, there is there is a, a gold mine equity token. So it's, it's Gold Oro hosted by Warbly. I believe Warbly is the issuance platform and so Gold Oro is a business, they're, they're a gold mine selling equity token. It's an interesting setup where 50% of their fundraise will go towards actually the mining operation. 50% of the investments of the other half is actually just buying gold for, for their vault. And then 50% of all of the mined resources from the mine moving forward go towards the vault and then the other half goes to operations. So. They're, they're looking to back their equity by gold in a stable, increasing number. They kind of label it as a stable coin. I don't believe it would be a stable coin, right? Because they're producing something over time, so it should increase in value. Um, so it is an equity token, so it's not a stable coin, but it is slightly less volatile, I think, than what you'd expect from, let's say, a tech series A round, which certainly valuations tend to fluctuate as, as small factors can play a huge impact on, on that business. So um, so unlike that, definitely check out the Gold Oro mining business um, if you're interested in participating in a, in a commodity and, and being being exposed to that. Yeah. And uh, you've so. seen your fair share of uh, gold-backed stable coins, gold-based stable coins. Those are for sure a real thing. That does not sound like that's the case here. Uh, seems like a, a de-risk play into an actual mining uh, facility for gold. But hey, got to get right to the source. Uh, so yeah. uh, that's pretty good stuff. The traditional mining, as they say. It, uh, <laughs> it's funny to have them back to back. We had a crypto there, mining yeah. and. and just following that, we had a, a gold mining. So if you're interested in any kind of mining, I've got an STO for you. So definitely go check it out. We've got links in the description. 
um, of the podcast, whether you're listening through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Podbean, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you're probably listening to it on one of those right now, um, but you can find it in the description if you want to learn more. All right, moving forward into our main topic, security tokens are here, Herwig. Um, this is an exciting day, as we mentioned, because of the retail trading for T-Zero's equity token, but it certainly hasn't been a short road. So when when did T-Zero really first get into this and, and how did they get here? Before I do, Kyle, uh, I think it goes without saying real quick, T-Zero is definitely our company of the week, uh, I think for sure because of the historical uh, significance of what's happening today. They, they earned that for the both of us. So I want to give kind of a brief overview of all the security token kind of trading that's happened in the past, give us an overview uh, of why this is so historical today. In fact, the first example of any type of digital security, security token being issued was by T-Zero back in 2016. All of two and a half years ago, um, where they actually issued that Series A preferred digital stock uh, on their own private blockchain. This was su such early days, of course, T-Zero uh, didn't have a, a platform. There was no uh, protocol or traditional security token focused blockchain for them to use. They just did it themselves. And, and to no surprise, there was probably little to no trading activity behind that. Uh, but now that's why they've developed the T-Zero platform in the first place, where they can move that uh, token over and have it find the real compliant, efficient uh, marketplace to be sold and traded on. Um, but uh, really, we didn't see much activity uh, as they started laying out the groundwork until 2017, where on April 10th, uh, Kyle Blockchain Capital a very well-known startup and, and fund in the space uh, issuing a security token. On, on April 10th, they issued the very first security tokens, they, at least so far, uh, privately. Um, and actually, <laughs> uh, without uh, knowledge, I guess, or without looking into it, uh, it actually started trading. I believe it was on Ether Delta, but uh, don't quote me on that. Um, and uh, yeah, you know that that is not a compliant, regulated way of trading securities. No, no. It's uh, not. no. Uh, so actually, it wasn't until September fourth that uh, Securitize announced that they will be bringing the blockchain cap or Bcap uh, token into compliance with their platform, uh, which has been a, a great success because Bcap is is now trading today um, uh, on a regulated exchange, Open Finance Network. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that was a, you know, a sign of, of things uh, becoming more legit, that there was actual technology to enforce this. It was with that hype and momentum around this time period that on October 16th in 2018, T-Zero closed a $134 million STO. Uh, you know, it was at this point that they issued them to a custodial wallet where they were locked up. Uh, and, and not to be issued to the accredited investors until January. This is all part of the process that they needed to follow in order to qualify for Rule 144, which is what they're using to issue those tokens out today um, uh, under their uh, you know, new non-accredited investor trading capabilities. Um, it was also uh, moving forward back a little bit uh, on December 14th in 2018, OFN actually launched uh, full-on trading with the Spice VC token, another popular fund uh, that had tokenized in the space, and BCAP and Lottery and, and many more 
going shortly after. Um, so we, we've seen a lot of activity back and forth. We, you know, we saw the you know, announcement a couple weeks ago about the, the actual T0, okay, okay, overstock, sorry, the overstock token coming to T0. Uh, so we're seeing real activity, Kyle. We're seeing, you know, over the past two years, slowly but surely, uh, we had people make big pioneering moves where they issued security tokens, some even you know, faced uh, potential uh, issues within the marketplace, but they managed to come into compliance. We see two full-on trading security token marketplaces and with many, many more, as we know, expected to come live. So, you know, it makes me think about your article. It really, it really should be, you know, 2020 is going to be the banner year of security tokens and security token marketplaces because it takes time. We are, we're, we're all here on the bleeding edge, on the cusp, because we now all know that this week we can finally trade on T0. But the, really the rest of people don't know that. They let, let alone even know that digital securities are out there available to purchase, whether they're from an institutional background or from a, a traditional retail uh, background. So, you know, looking over this history, Kyle, it gets me excited because you can sort of see it speed up. Uh, and now today we have full-on token exchanges, full-on issuance platforms, pipelines of tokens coming out. Uh, and the most important thing that we've all been waiting for, which is the volume, the activity of trading to begin. And now we get to watch it grow to, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, we, we all have different predictions, but uh, the point is we can finally start to watch it. So I'm, I'm curious, Kyle, what, what do you think about all this history? How are you interpreting all this, what are your predictions? I'm incredibly excited too. I, I am in full agreement that it, it takes time. I mean, the innovators in any industry have to pave the way for everyone else. And, and so obviously, if you don't know exactly the right path, it's going to take longer, it's going to be more expensive. And so the fact that we're starting to see a model be created where if a company is looking to do this, whether leverage a security token for their equity, whether to define other rights or do a debt offering, the pieces are laying are being laid down, the tracks are being set such that you can just kind of follow the same process and you don't need to face the same regulatory uncertainty, right? It seems like a lot of times that that's really where a lot of these exchanges and issuance platforms and even businesses themselves the, the toughest part for them has just been going back and forth with regulators, figuring out how to do it compliantly. Once we can figure out exactly what that method looks like, which we really are starting to define now, uh, it's a lot easier for future companies to do that and allow us for that, that expansion that we've been predicting for a while now. I think the other thing is that it does take a while because we also have mandatory holding periods. So for U.S. investors participating in a U.S. deal at the current regulations, you have to hold it for 12 months before you can you can trade that thing on secondary exchanges. So there's obviously going to be a wait time that take, causes this thing to be laid out, right? So once we figure out compliantly how to do this and replicate it over time, we then may need to wait another year before we see a lot of these great companies actually being able to exchange these things on secondary markets because of these holdup periods. There's a six month holding period for international investors. And so Herwig and I have, have submitted our comments to the SEC and are, are always encouraging others to do so. But we've, we've made a, a point to them that 
that the 12 month holding period might not make a ton of sense, especially when international investors only need to hold for six months. And so um, potentially those those will be shortened moving forward. But but even so, a six month or 12 month holding period does does require businesses to take their time with this process. So very excited with the infrastructure that, that's being in place. We now have six live security tokens in the US here. So. We're still we're searching and, and building our relationships around the world, and, and the goal will be to consistently be able to show all of the international security tokens because, as we've discussed, it will not just come from the U.S. It will come from smaller countries like Malta or um, many of the other now Seychelles Antigua. or Antigua. Um, but it may also come from, from large European or Asian exchanges as well that maybe end up jumping into the fray or, or allowing some kind of exchange licenses. So we definitely will show them all around the world, but just so that everyone's on the same page, we do have six that are live. We have T0 and their equity token, which we've spent plenty of time discussing today. We will have overstock.com as well, so that will be number seven. I'm not sure if it's actually trading yet. The only reason I say that is because on the exchange portal for T0, the volume is essentially zero. So I'm not sure whether that means there's no investor demand or if it's actually just there's no volume yet um, on the exchange. So T0 and Overstock, eventually certainly Overstock, once this dividend gets paid out, there will be much more of it to exchange. Then we also have five other security tokens, one that was mentioned or two, Blockchain Capital and Spice VC. So Blockchain Capital, uh, we discussed already as well as Spice VC. Lottery.com is also a live crypto or a live security token. They are um, LDC, Lottery.com, Crypto Universal is the business. They're selling their, their equity there um, as well as I think future revenues for their lottery, online lottery business. We also have 22X Fund and Protos. So Blockchain Capital, Lottery.com, Spice VC, 22X Fund, and Protos are all on Open Finance Network. It's an exchange based out of Chicago. We've discussed them quite at length. And then T0 and Overstock will be through the T0 exchange. So yeah, it's incredibly exciting. I, 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 we've seen the progress. It's been methodical. It has not been without purpose. It's just a lot of these things do take time in terms of, of getting the proper licenses, getting the proper regulatory approval, and finding the right issuers because at the end of the day, no one wants to invest in, in bad quality projects. So um, so I know that the onus is on a lot of these issuance platforms to try to find the highest quality deals that they can um, for their investors. For sure. you know, the, I think the key takeaway here is that it's here. Tokens are trading, regardless of their caliber. The technology has proven itself. The regulation has not become an obstacle. It's happening. It's available. And, you know, we only have so much more to see to come out from both a technology perspective as well as from a, a potential assets uh, perspective to want to buy, as you pointed out. So I'm excited. I hope everyone listening here is too. You know, this is really it. It's starting to gear up. It's been a slow first half to the year. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the momentum is only going to continue in a, to increase from here, especially with all the latest news of more tokens being issued, more, you know, even T0 has mentioned several other projects that look like they're going to be listed maybe hopefully within the end of the year. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited for the rest of the second half of the year. And no doubt this, this shows that 2020 will be an absolutely banner year. Very exciting. And, uh, and so we just have to keep posted on it and certainly you'll be able to listen here for all of the updates throughout that process. We are not going anywhere. 
we post once a week, Tuesdays, 8 a.m. And so, you know, the, the important things that, that we try to cover are the news in the beginning and, and what's, what's going on throughout the industry throughout the week. And then talk about new issuers and, and, and the actual performance of these tokens, certainly as we start to move forward and discuss how those how, how the markets are performing. And, and uh, so it's very exciting. And, and there's a lot more content that we'll be able to review moving forward now that we're really starting to see some secondary trading activity. So it's very, very exciting. And, and we appreciate you all for listening. As, as Herreg and I have mentioned before, if you have any articles or you have any insight you want to share with us, you can reach out to us. I mean, Herwig, you're super active on LinkedIn. You're always you know, connecting with people and having great conversations. Um, I'm very active on Twitter. You can reach out to me there. My DMs are open as well. Um, and certainly post your stuff on stomarket.com slash news. That's where we source our, our information from. So we appreciate any feedback. And, and uh, tune in next week. Thanks for listening.